I want you to go with me to John chapter 18. John 18. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, thank you so much for your, your goodness, for your faithfulness, for your spirit in our midst and in our lives. We believe that you're at work now helping us to really walk in the fullness of what you've created us to be. Lord, give us understanding today. Open the, open the eyes of our understanding and lighten our minds today to receive your truth in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, how many have ever taken a test in school where you had to mark true or false? Anybody ever? Whether, uh, probably all of us at some point, whether grade school or high school or college or, or, you know, or some kind of employment uh, exam, where you had to mark true or false, and so we're all pretty much aware that on those tests, it's, there's not a maybe, and I've been on both sides of those as a one giving test and receiving test, and, and uh, oftentimes, uh, you know, the answer is, is one or the other, but people will scratch out parts of it and circle other parts and say, well, this part's true, this part's false. No, <laughs> it's either true or false, and, uh, but often when you look back, probably many of the times you've taken true or false type tests. You've had to discover and identify whether statements were accurate or whether they were incorrect. Uh, You know, the stakes were not super high. Sometimes they were higher than others. A lot of times, well, if I get that wrong, it's not the end of the world. Uh, But there are some things in life and there are some spiritual things that we do have to be right about, okay? There are some true and false questions in life. And if you get it wrong, it's going to hurt, all right, it's going to be worse than I got an A minus or a C plus or something like that. But in life, and when it comes to our relationship with God and walking with Him, and even when it comes to eternity, there are some things that are absolutely true, and there are some things that are completely false. All right, there is no blending of the two. There is no well, it's kind of. All right, no, there are some things that no kind of, no maybe, absolutely, this is the way to go, and this is not the way to go. And it's vital that you and I be smart. (laughs) We cannot be Christian dumbos. (laughs) We have to be spiritually uh, educated. Not just talking about being puffed up in our heads, having the love of God, but we've got to know up from down and heads from tails and know which way to go. And we've got to know what's right. We've got to know whether things are true or whether they are false. Now, it is my desire to equip you. Uh, one of the things that we do in church, one of the main things according to the New Testament, Ephesians 4, the fivefold ministry gifts, of which I stand in that, uh, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, all right? We're not here just to get needs met or goosebumps or a little feel good or a conscience soothed. We are here to get equipped, all right? In other words, we should be knowledgeable of what God says and what His will is and how His Spirit works in our lives and moves through us. And so that's one of the things we endeavor to do week in and week out is give you some goods, all right? I don't want you, I don't want to make it so light where it's just, oh, that was good. Well, what was it about? Um, God, uh, <laughs> the Bible, uh, Jesus. You know, when you don't really know because you didn't really truly get anything. And I really desire that you get something. 
okay, in a spiritual sense, but also I want to educate your mind biblically, okay? And if you already know the things that I'm sharing, I want to reinforce because you can't be too strong in some of the principles of God's Word. more you have it down, the better, the more you're able to deal with uh, situations, the more you're enabled, you're enabled to accurately explain the gospel of our salvation. You can correctly talk about Jesus and do it accurately. You can defend your faith and you can walk in the middle of God's will. And so we are in the midst of a culture and uh, that's, you know, you get a constant drumbeat of false ideas, of wrong um, statements, Therefore, the more we are established in truth, the more we can, we'll hear it, boom, 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 it's constantly coming at us, but we're protected. The truth is a very safe place. When you have it established in your heart, you're protected from all kinds of error. I want to look over here in John 18, and let's begin reading in verse 36, John 18, 36. Tell me when you got it. All right, 1836, this is when Jesus was standing before Pilate, says, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus said, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. That's a powerful statement. Why why, why did you come, Jesus? Why were you born? So I could bear witness to the truth. Pilate said, uh, somewhere in here, I lost my spot. Pilate said to him, What is truth? What is truth? And that's a question a lot of people have today. They don't really know what truth is. And the other side of that, there are a lot of questions in people's minds about whether truth even exists. Are there things that are true every day? in every person's life, they're just fact. They are just truth in every time frame 2,000 years ago, in our century here in the United States, on the other side of the planet. It's just true. Sometimes people will say, well, you know that some of that uh, stuff about prosperity, well, that, that that, that only works in America because of, you know, it's kind of a, you know, it's a prosperous nation, but it doesn't work in you know, third world, wherever around the world. That's not, that's not right. How many know if it's true, it works in a cave? <laughs> it worked for Joseph in prison. Are you listening? If it's true, it works for you. And it works for everyone, no matter what their background is. No matter what... Uh, everyone around them says, if it's true, it's true. And it can't be changed because it's just right. If we were to talk about math, how many know, you know, two plus two doesn't change from person to person. If you're a bad guy, still four. 
you're a good guy, still four. Hmm? If, if you're saved, it's four. If you're lost, it's four. If you're Chinese, it's four. If you're whatever, something else, it's still four. Why? Because that's just what it is. And we need to discover what things just are. And those things we base our lives on. If we can discover what absolutely is every time and in every situation, we know what to live on. If we don't, we'll be flaky. We'll be shaky. We'll be uncertain. We won't know where, where we can stand. And so is there such a thing as truth? Truth that is absolute in every circumstance. Or is everything subjective to one person's point of view or experience? I hear too many believers, too many Christians use the terminology when speaking about the Word of God. And they'll say, what does that mean to you? What does this mean to you? That's not a good question. But that, where that comes from is the idea that I think people have it without thinking about it because it's been, they've just heard it. It's in the culture now that what's right for you might not be right for you. What's true for you might not be true for you or it might be true for you. It's just kind of all about you. And I'm telling you tonight that truth has nothing to do with you. Truth existed before you came up, before you were born. And it'll be here after you're gone. And so my question is not when it comes to the Word of God, and I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but this will all make sense. But it's not what is what do things mean to me. Now, if I'm talking about uh, ice cream flavors, that is what it is to me. Cookies and cream is El Primo to me. <laughs> Mint chocolate chip is right for her. But for me, it's okay. You know what I'm talking about? But we're not really basing our lives upon ice cream flavors, are we? <laughs> I think we can understand the difference in what do you like, what do you prefer, what's your preference, or even what's your experience. You have a different experience than I have. And your experience can be true for you. My experience is true for me. But again, if I'm living my life just based on experience, that's shaky ground. There is... Trust me, there's some experiences out there. People have experienced all kinds of things. And how do we know what's right? Just because it happened to you. I know some people, I know someone once who prayed and nothing happened. I mean, literally, they did. That is a true experience that they had. Okay, I can base my life on that. How many know I just ruined my prayer life? If I say, well, that's true, or they convince me, no, I've done this. No, really, I've prayed. It didn't work. I have. I've prayed for a long time once. Nothing happened. Okay, is that true? Well, they might try to convince me that's true, but I'm going to a different place to find out what's true. Otherwise, I can't ever do that again. 
But then I'll run into someone else. They'll say, no, I get everything I pray for. Now I'm mixed up. Which one's right? My truth is not based on you nor your experience. Truth may be illustrated by you. I may have a story that lines up with truth. But even if I tell you a story, I did this and I prayed this and I said this and I acted this way and great things happened. Well, you don't follow it just because it happened to me. You use that as a visual and find out, well, what was it in there that was true for everyone, not just what happened to you? And I like to hear what happened to you, but I'm looking underneath. Did you act on something that was true that will also work for me? Okay. We understand this. Again, many people, are, they think everything's subjective to your own personal opinions and experience. And, and there's a problem in our country now, I think, uh, just to interject this uh, side political note, <laughs> with, with, with our courts. And, how, you know, and there's, of course, a big debate now concerning our Supreme Court and the next justice. And at one of the problems with many of our courts today is uh, they want to interpret the Constitution and they want to, you know, take it as a living document. Now, that almost sounds good, doesn't it? It's alive. <laughs> But what that does is it cause prob- causes problems in our country because they see it as a flexible thing and it's not a standard that our country's laws can be built upon. That produces just a lot of instability and we get far away from the foundation of where our country was built on. Now, I'm not saying our Constitution is truth, but it, it's in, the, in this illustration, it's the, exa- it's the standard from which our laws and everything come from. All right, And you have to have that. Anytime a person does not have something that they build upon, something solid, they're like the house built on the sand. The winds come, the storms blow, and they're going down, man. They're like, big bad wolf is coming. Amen. He's going to huff and puff. Blow your house down. Okay. And so today, many people want to criticize those who believe the Bible as being intolerant of others. However, isn't that criticism in and of itself an intolerant position? Aren't, the, aren't oftentimes those who cry intolerance the most being very intolerant of those who believe in the gospel and believe in Jesus and, and the things that he said? Usually you find a whole lot of hypocrisy when those type of things are uh, thrown around. But again, what about this statement that some have made that there are no absolute truths? That there are none. They don't exist. There, there are no absolute truths. Well, how many understand that the statement, there are no absolute truths, is an absolute statement? Which is supposed to be true. That there are no absolute truths. Therefore... <laughs> If, if it is an absolute truth and there are no absolute truths, then that statement must be false. Absolutely. How many understand that if there are no absolute truths, then you cannot believe anything absolutely at all? Right? Because you don't know. So you can't believe it. Including that there are no absolute truths. You can't believe that either. So therefore, nothing could really be true for you. 
including relativism. I believe in relativism. Do you know that? Is that true for sure? You sure about that? You absolutely sure that that's right, relativism? (laughs) It's self-defeating. That type of logic, and I want you to understand this while I'm talking about these things, it's okay to think. (laughs) We are in church, and uh, like one person said, uh, the Bible said uh, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, not by the removing of your mind. And those of us who are in faith, and we do have strong confidence in what God has said and done, He doesn't want you to remove your mind, or He doesn't want you to check out mentally and not be able to analyze things. We can be intelligent concerning the Word of God and some of these issues. Why are some so opposed to a standard that is right every time and in every situation? Why do people fight so hard against this idea of something just being true, just being right? Many want to hold kind of a libertine attitude these days, which allows, basically allows for absolute freedom. It's become even popular today in politics for people to take a position, well, I'm socially conservative, but, or no, I'm fiscally conservative, but I'm a social libertarian. In other words, they just want to anybody do anything. Well, why do people take an attitude of uh, liberality in that sense towards oftentimes social issues or behaviors that people make in their lives? Why do they want everyone to be that way and then also condemn and look down upon, be very intolerant of those who say, no, you know, this behavior is wrong. You know, acting this way is wrong. Of course, in, in popular culture today, you know, so, so for someone to say sex outside of marriage is wrong or homosexuality is wrong. Every time and in every situation, no matter who we're talking, it's wrong. See, many of us are hated for things, for statements, made like, statements like that that are made and are even called haters, Because we're somehow depriving someone of what they want to do. But why do people want that type of attitude? Why are they so opposed to there being a standard of right and wrong that applies to all people of all time? Well, one thing I know is this. People who are in sin want company. (laughs) It's not really that fun to sin all by yourself. Look over at Romans chapter 1 with me. Romans chapter 1. And notice with me over here in verse 32. Last verse of the chapter. Romans 1:32. It says, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things, all the things listed previously, are deserving of death. Really, you could say that concerning any sin. Anyone who practices sin, what do they deserve? Death. Death. Do do, do you deserve life? Do I deserve life? No. No, I've sinned. I've come short of the glory of God. What do I deserve? Death. What do I get? Grace and mercy. Yeah. I get life, but it wasn't because I earned it. How many know that's kind of the basics of Christianity? All right. Uh, He says, not only do these people, they not only do the same, 
but approve of those who practice them. They approve. When you find people who are living in sin, they approve of others who are living in sin. They really want others to be like them. And I get concerned for anyone who takes a position, well, there's no real truth. There's no real moral boundaries or absolutes in life. Uh, I just believe people ought to be able to do whatever they want to do. I'm wondering. I'm not, I'm not going to stand as a judge, but I am wondering. What are you doing? What are you doing that you don't want to be called out on because you know if you start staying a standard, if anyone ever finds out, they're going to call you hypocrite? What's going on? What boundaries don't you have in your life? Why are you so opposed uh, to those who say that God is right concerning stuff? Okay? Instead of dealing with wrong behavior... I believe this is, this is why a lot of times people want this and why this is attractive. Uh, instead of dealing with wrong behavior, which can oftentimes be a challenge. I don't know if you've ever had a challenge. You were doing something wrong or habitually were doing something wrong. You wanted to change it, but it was a challenge to you. I mean, there was a struggle within your flesh that said your flesh wanted to keep doing it. You know, sometimes people get addicted to whatever, different substances, and they say, I shouldn't be doing this, man, I want to stop, but the flesh says, I want more. <laughs> it's easier to make that behavior acceptable than it is to stop doing it. It's, it, it's easier if you change your belief and say, well, there's nothing wrong with this. Hmm then you don't have to change and you don't have to battle your conscience over it. We all know this, that the feelings of condemnation are not fun. <laughs> right? Are you listening? <laughs> have you ever felt bad? you ever felt beat up? you ever felt like a dirty rascal? you ever felt like it? That's not fun. That doesn't feel good. I don't enjoy feeling that way. But what are we to do about that? Are we to run from it or are we to deal with it? See, we know this. We can overcome this through the blood of Jesus. We can, through the power of the gospel, we can be free from that. Or, here's another way. You call all behavior acceptable. You can become an activist. And fight for your right and everyone else's right to act that wrong way that gave you so much trouble. And that's what many people do. They don't want to say it's right and wrong because they want to continue doing it, but they don't want to feel bad about it. We'll say, what are you saying, that they should feel bad about it? I am. Even though I, even though it's not good, it's not fun, even though... If they continually feel bad and just continue living that way and feeling bad and living that way and getting condemned about it, that's not a fun life. But you know what's worse? Is calling it okay. Is removing all boundaries from your life, no longer acknowledging that there's anyone who has a say-so to call things right or wrong or true or false in your life, and you become your own God. You become your own boss and you do anything you want because the reason that's worse 
is because it's wrong. And one day, you'll be held in account, held to account for it. And secondly, if it, if certain things are really wrong, they are in truth, in actuality, wrong. There's a reason for them being wrong. If the Lord set it up and said, don't cross this boundary, but yet I want to, and I'm going to call it no boundary, I'm act like it's not there, this is a nice place, so I'm just going to live there. There's a reason He said, don't go over there. It's like when uh, you, anyone ever snow ski, snowboard, and oftentimes you go to the top of the mountain, depending on where you go, many mountains have a backside that is not open. And there's a big fence at the top that says ski area boundary, right? Well, they got the nerve. What do they think they're doing? I mean, we are free. I don't believe in boundaries. I don't believe in... This is just bondage. I can't believe they would do that. Here I am. I pay for my ticket, get all my gear, come and they won't even let me ski. Just the big killjoys they are. Why would they do that? How many understand? I think we do. I'm just exaggerating for a reason. Their intention is not to ruin my ski day. They want me to ski another day. They're not telling me I can't ski. They're telling me I just can't ski there. And oftentimes, the boundaries the Lord gives people, it is not because He didn't want them to have any fun. He just wants them to have fun today and tomorrow and the next day. And I may say, well, I'm free. I'm going off the back. Woo! And there's cliffs and there's rocks and, and I may break a leg or die. And many times, if, even if someone erases all kinds of standards of truth in their lives, they say, no, I don't believe in any truth. Absolutely, there's not any truth. And uh, they say, I don't believe that I'm just going to do whatever I want. Well, here's the problem. You might break a leg and you might die. And the God who established right from wrong did it for a reason. Not just so he can say, I just don't want you to go there just, just because. Just because I'm God and you're not, I don't want you to do it. You know, he's really not that insecure. I've got to show my authority. You ever seen someone on a power trip? You ever seen an umpire on a power trip? <laughs> Yikes. God's not that way. And whenever He tells us to act a certain way or don't do something, know that He's got a good reason. Even if you don't understand it, scary a boundary. What's the purpose of that? I'm an experienced skier. I can handle this. I can do it. Trust the mountain manager. And in your life, trust God. But again, people don't want to deal with stuff. And so, you know, if condemnation is bad, then one way to remove its harmful effects is just to call all behavior good, all behavior acceptable. Make what everyone does, anytime, place, make it okay. It's been said, like we already mentioned, that sin loves company. Most people inherently know that certain behaviors are wrong. They seek to surround themselves with other sinners to subdue those convicting thoughts. 
If I can do this alone and I feel bad, but I can get five of my buddies to do it with me, I don't feel quite so bad. Okay? And uh, this, is, this is one of the reasons why usually you'll see when someone is getting away from the Lord, when they're backsliding in their heart, they're growing cold towards the things of God, usually you will also see them stop coming to church. Why? Because it bugs them. It doesn't feel good. Maybe they won't even rash, you know, articulate it that way. But something inside of them becomes uncomfortable because they want to live a different way. They're being tempted in the flesh and they want to act out certain ways. They want to do certain things and they're getting around people who are going the opposite direction that they are. And that becomes uncomfortable. And so they'll seek out others of like mind. Their associations will change. All of a sudden their friends who are on fire, their, their, their buddies and so forth who are, you know, serving and doing a Bible study or they're, they're doing Christian things and uh, they don't really want to hang out so much anymore. But they do want to hang out with that old, that old crowd. I've been looking up some old friends and why? You're at a low point spiritually in your life and now you're going to get connected with those who are not even living for God at all. Dumb. But we understand, not to condemn, but we understand what's happening there. That's the way things work. People want to get away from condemnation. They want to get away from guilt feelings. And I think we can all relate to that. But the question is, how do we do it? We can do it the Lord's prescribed method and get free and get happy. Or we can get out there on the backside of the mountain and risk our lives. I don't feel condemned. I feel free. I'm deceived. And I'm playing in a landmine area here. Okay. And so, uh, hmm. Though all those who oppose sin in our world today can be attacked as mean-spirited. And the reason is because you bring conviction to those who don't want it. But I say we still recognize that God has standards. All right, let's look, it over, look over at Romans 12. You're there in Romans. Romans 12. Being a Christian is not about being... Uh, it's not about being ourselves. I'm not talking about being fake here, but it's not about just, I want to be the way I, way I am. And you need to just accept me the way I am. And, and, and some people have, have uh, thought and they've taught that Christianity is all about acceptance. Actually, no. Our main goal is not to accept everybody. Now stay with me if you're thinking, ooh, really? Well, that's what Jesus did, right? Actually, no. But we're just supposed to just accept people the way they are. Does God accept you the way you are? Let me let me let me help you to uh, to process that a little bit better. God accepts us in spite of the way we are. He accepts everyone on the planet in spite of the way they are. He loved us not because we had it all together, but while we were yet sinners. In other words, His love is not stopped by our imperfect condition or by a person's sin. That's the very reason for it. 
The very reason we need God's love and Him to come wrap His arms around us is because we need help. Jesus was sent to the sick. Remember, He was out there with the tax collectors and the sinners, and He was getting a hard time from the religious people. He gave the example about, you know, the well don't need a physician, the sick do. Why do we have God in our lives? We need Him in our lives. It's because we're not all together. But listen, the goal of the Lord in your life is not just to wrap His arms around you and say, everything's okay, you're all good. No, no, no. His message, and listen, our message is not just we accept you, it is repent. This is probably not real popular today. (laughs) You're saying people have to change? Yes, I'm saying we love people so much, we're not going to wash everything over and say, you're all just good, just like you are. You're not. You've got some serious changing to do. Look at your neighbor and say, that's you he's talking to. (laughs) All right, be nice, be nice. (laughs) Listen, if, if any of us are honest, we recognize that we are not finished. We know spiritually we are. Spiritually we're changed, quickened, made alive by His Spirit. But we're all a work in progress. And the Lord loves us. We're accepted in the Beloved. We're accepted in Christ. But not so we can just remain the way we are. See, what are you saying about when people come in who are just really rough? I mean, they got to, do, do we accept them or, or, or do we not? We accept them in spite of the way they are. A better word to use, I think, is we love them. We love them without question, no matter how messed up you are, no matter how many issues you, you have, we love you and you are welcome here. But I don't want to communicate the message that... You're all messed up and you can just stay messed up and we love you. That's not the reason for God's love so we feel good about our mess. The reason for God's love is so He empowers us and changes us from the inside out. But to, if we're ever going to have that work of God in our lives, we must acknowledge that there are things that are wrong. There are things that are true. There are things that are false. There is right and there is wrong. When I see it, I can change what's wrong by His grace. But if I'm told now, everyone's good. You're all right. Everything's okay. You can't help it. (laughs) It's not your fault. Nothing you can do about it. Well, how does that help? What it does is it just creates victims. I've just been beat up by my family, my, the system, the government, the whatever, someone on my job. I've just been done wrong. Well, welcome to planet Earth. Everyone's been done wrong. But if we stop right there, we're going to stay having wrong done to us. And we never change. We never grow. We never increase. We never truly show on Earth what the life of God is really about. And so we must acknowledge that there are things that are true. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Let's finish up here. Doing a good job listening tonight. All right. Pat yourself on the back. Good job. Good job.
But we, we live in a time when personal responsibility has been thrown out for blame, for a victim mentality. And did we ever re- read Romans? No. You've read it before, though, haven't you? You know what it says. <laughs> well, here's the point. Do not be conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's God interested in, even in our lives? Because this is believers He's talking to. I just want you to feel good about your life. No. I want your life to be transformed. Huh? And not saying, go around feeling bad and being sin conscious. That's not what we want at all. Conscious of God's life in us, of His righteousness in us. But the reason He sent His Word was to heal. In other words, something's sick. Something's messed up. And His Word will change your mind and it'll fix your body. And it'll change your life. But if we have the attitude, there's nothing that's really right or wrong or true or false. It's just kind of whatever's up to us. We're just kind of going with the flow. You're not, you're not getting anywhere with that kind of attitude. You must believe, even if you don't understand why or how, we're going to get into that in the coming weeks. But you must believe that some things are wrong for you and for everybody. And whenever you discover something, you set that up as a standard in your life and say, I'm going to live by this. I'm not going to let my mind just go anywhere. I'm not going to let my actions just, just I'm not going to just do whatever I feel like doing. You know, if it, the, if it feels good, do it type of attitude. No, I'm going to be more mature than that. Be more strong, be stronger than that. Ephesians 5, verse 9. It's just a parenthetical thought here in verse 9. Powerful though, it says, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. What is it in? Goodness, righteousness, and, and truth. So many times people want to stop and they think of they think of the ministry of Jesus. It was goodness. It was righteousness, righteous deeds, all the good things that he did. But I want you to know that one of the things that Jesus stood for was not just helping people, not just being good to people. It was truth. Yes, the woman caught in the midst of adultery. Yes, he uh, got her off the hook, showed her great mercy and compassion. But he also said, knock it off. That's my translation. He said, I, I don't condemn you either. Where are your accusers? I don't condemn you either. But stop acting that way. We can't take that part out of the ministry of Jesus and then think that's what we do. Well, we just forgive everyone and then we leave it at that. No, we do forgive and we love and we show mercy and compassion. We ought to be so full of that. People can hardly stand us. We're so nice. But it doesn't mean we leave our backbone at home. It doesn't mean we remove standards. We follow up all mercy and compassion with standard of truth and say, and this is right. Yeah, I forgive you. I want to help you be restored. But knock it off, man. You need help knocking it off, I'll be there to help you knock it off. But quit. That is wrong behavior. That's wrong thinking. That's wrong believing. Because of my love, I want you to know that. Is that condemning? We know that's not. Listen. If you take a stand, you'll be accused of it at times. Ah, you're just intolerant. Yeah, I'm intolerant of sin and the devil and things that are wrong that hurt people. If you want to accuse me, guilty. But I'm still going to stand for truth. 
we need some truth bearers in our day. One last scripture, Romans 8, Romans 1 again. Romans chapter 1. Again, the fruit of the Spirit is in truth. Let's not remove truth from our lives. Romans 1 verse 18. Verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. There are those in our world today who are working hard, and it's demonically inspired, to suppress truth. There are forces at work to get you to think that truth is not real. That it's all subjective. That it's all a matter of one person's opinion or another person's opinion. It's all relative to who you're dealing with. And, what, and there are forces at work to try to convince you of that. I'm concerned about generations coming up, going through school and going through, you know, high school and college and this stuff being crammed down their throat. And they have this idea, well, I don't know that we can be against anything. Well, if something is right or wrong, you have to be against some things. It doesn't mean we're against the person. We want them set free, don't we? But we are against some things. The very nature of being for something means that you are also against some things. Because I'm for my wife, if you're against her, I'm against you. I'm against you, why? Because I'm for her. I'm for the Lord. If you're against Him, we're on opposing sides. Now, good news, Jesus died for you, so I'm trying to pull you over on the right team. However, I'm against everything you're doing if you're, if you're against God. Why? Because I'm for Him. Amen. And if you have a standard of right and wrong, of true and false in your life, there are going to be some things in your life that you say, no, I don't accept that. I don't, I don't say that's okay. Amen. Father, thank You for tonight. Thank You for Your, your Word for helping us to understand and walk in the, the, the wisdom of God. Help us to, thank you for helping us to understand truth. Father, I pray that these words that I've spoken will be received in the manner and the spirit in which they were given. And Lord, I pray that eyes will be opened. Lord, you can, you can share this with folks a lot better than I can. And I pray that you would you'd reveal the truth of this word to every heart. And as we go forward in the coming weeks, I pray that you just give us more and more understanding and revelation so we can walk in this. Thank you for every life and every person here, those who are, who are bound up with stuff, struggling in different areas of their life. I thank you that the truth makes them free. I thank you that you, you are the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus. And I thank you for your delivering power even here tonight. For those who are dealing with stuff away from here. They got issues at home. They got issues on the job. They're here in church. But when they leave here, their mind goes back to their problems. Their mind goes back to their junk. Father, I pray even now. I know you can do this. And I believe you brought this up in my heart because you are doing it now. That even as they focus their attention 
and all of their confidence and trust in you here that you are taking care of stuff there. Lord, we seek first your kingdom tonight. And we thank you that all these things are added to us. We believe that you're at work. You're at work. Thank you, Lord.